This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome back my bestie, Dr. Asherina Reem of Psyched Mummy. If you're not familiar, Dr. Reem is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in maternal mental health. She's also the founder and CEO of Psyched Mommy, the largest social media platform focusing on perinatal mental health. She also happens to be my best friend and business partner in our joint venture called Mom Freely. Dr. Reem has been on the podcast before to discuss rage, resentment, boundaries with mother-in-laws, burnout, and today she's back to help me answer your questions about rage. Together, we've hosted workshops, masterclasses, done podcast episodes, and now even have our own e-course. We share such a passion and similar vision to see moms adjust to and thrive in motherhood. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with my bestie, psyched mommy, Dr. Asherina Reem. Have you ever lost your cool on your kiddo and found yourself spiraling into shame? Have you worried that you've damaged your relationship or screwed them up in some way for the long term? It is really easy to fall into these thought traps when we've parented in a way that goes against our values or what is important to us. Join Dr. Asherina Reem, aka Psyched Mummy, and I for a free masterclass all about how to repair in these tricky parenting moments. Our three-step method for repairing with your child after you lose your cool will teach you how to measure, accurately measure a secure bond with your child, understanding the power of repair and how it works, and will teach you practical ways to repair in the moment with your child. Make sure to reserve your free seat. Head to happyasamother.co slash masterclass. That's happyasamother.co slash masterclass. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Dr. Reem, Asherina, bestie, I don't even know what to call you. We're in a formal setting. Dr. Asherina Reem, thank you for being on the podcast today. How are you doing, friend? Great. How are you? I'm well. I am so excited for us to come back around sort of full circle to have a conversation about rage on the podcast. Many people actually don't know. The first time you and I met was when I reached out to you probably close to two years ago 
to come on the podcast to discuss rage. It was my first time interviewing anybody ever. It was our first time meeting. And look at us now, Bestie, two years later and just speaking on rage all the time. It's kind of like our our stick that we do. I can't even believe that was two years ago. That When you say that, I'm like, wow, it's been that long. I know. And like where we've come together, where, yeah, just the growth in the podcast, in my interviewing skills, hopefully, which is why we're also <laughs> doing this again, because that was a long time ago. And my knowledge and growth, your knowledge and growth, I'm sure, in this topic has evolved greatly. So we're here to talk all things rage today. And we pulled followers, listeners, our community in stories to get some of the most requested questions on rage and really demystify this topic, speak to your questions directly, and yeah, get into rage, postpartum rage, mummy rage, whatever you want to call it. For those of you who don't know and aren't familiar with Asherina, Dr. Reem, we've got a few episodes together, a rage episode, a resentment episode, a burnout episode, a boundaries with mother-in-laws and parents episode because we are quite close. She's been on the podcast a few times. So if you'd like to get to know her more, her story, and have some context of us up until this point, check those episodes out because they're also really fun and informative. And you see our relationship through those episodes grow over the years too, which is really fun. Those are linked in the show notes for you. All right. I would love for us to start with, and this is more clarification because I got like a really frustrating message and DM, like it's not mom rage, it's just rage. And calling it mom rage is like, you know, whatever. So what are we talking about when we're talking mom rage, I think is a really great place to start. Oh man, how much time you got? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, we are speaking primarily to the experience of mothers, right? I mean, like clearly parents can experience rage, but there's something that goes on specifically for women that I think is important to talk about. Yes. And is important to describe, particularly when we look at how women will experience rage as it relates to postpartum depression or anxiety and how that evolves and how that can be really a result of the societal expectations on women and how that Mm. can perpetuate feelings of anger, irritability, and rage. And it's warranted. I mean, when we talk about these experiences of irritability, anger, rage, It's not something to be ashamed about. It's not something that is out of the blue or, you know, we think of like, this is so out of character for me, but when we really take a step back and we conceptualize this, it's like, yes, I'm going through this, this change, this transition. I'm bringing home a baby. So much has changed for my life. My needs are not being met, but also the demands society has placed on me that I did not expect. Also the uneven distribution of responsibilities in my household. Also, you know, we could go on and on and on. So when we think about why are we describing this specific situation as like anger and rage in women Mm. primarily, why do we talk about this so much? Mm -hmm. It's like a multifaceted thing, but also because we bear the brunt of so much in parenthood. So of course. Well, 
And it's hard to, in a square on Instagram or in a question box, you know, ask your questions about mom rage, to speak to our inclusivity and to speak to the fact that we understand rage is a universal emotion that everybody experiences. But then in just saying rage and not saying parental rage, postpartum rage, mom rage, we lose the maternal experience that so many can relate to of being the ones that carry the invisible load for the most part, like disproportionately carry the invisible load or are the default parent, you know, feel like they're the ones that are defaulted to. And so there is something about the maternal experience for many that is unique. And so, yes, parental rage is a thing. Yes, dads, partners, adoptive parents, everybody can experience rage in their parental role. There are a few things that do make it unique to moms and particularly high risk during the postpartum period, correct? Mm-hmm. And when we think about what it's like to describe our experience of anger rage with parents, I mean, if a dad were to express feeling angry and we line that right up and a mom is sharing her anger and her experiences of rage, and we look at that from an outside perspective, it is more acceptable mm. for a man to experience these feelings without being, you know, dismissed. Because when we think of this ideal mother, we think of her as being gentle, nurturing, nurturing, exactly. And so when we take this experience of rage, it contradicts everything that we've learned about motherhood. Mm. And I think that's what makes it more challenging. It's a different experience. And that's why I think it's important to really identify this and really speak to this experience. Yeah, I agree, which obviously we can't do in every single little tile on Instagram, speak to every single experience, but we can hold space for both those things. And we actually have a course coming up called All the Rage that is probably launched. I think it's launched the week that this is live, um, this episode. And it's a course that speaks to rage across parenthood, generally speaking, but also calls out that unique experience. So like the skills that we learn, the feeling in itself is universal, but how we experience that emotion and also the judgment or shame we feel for that emotion can be uniquely different, right? Mm -hmm. And I love the name because it's like a twofold thing here where we talk about all the rage that's experienced, obviously, and the unexpected experience of anger and rage that shows up and what we do with that, but then all the rage, you know, playing on this, this term, this, this saying, like, parenthood, it's all the rage, right? And when it does not meet that expectation, all of the feelings that show up, including rage. (laughs) So I think that it is going to be so exciting to release this to the world and have parents all around having access to this because it is, this course is all the rage. I know. And I do (laughs) love that name. And I think it also brings some humor and brings our personality into how we approach these things. Like, Rage in motherhood, rage in parenthood does not have to be something that sinks us into this shame spiral. And when I put out this poll in Instagram, majority, I want to say 50, 60% of the questions that came in, if not more, were about that shame hangover and what do I do after I've lost my cool and just the beating up that we do of ourselves. Because like you said, we thought parenting was all the rage. We thought that it was going to be this thing that we entered into with ease and do naturally because these, you know, air quote instincts kick in. And then here we are 
in a pandemic, stretched beyond our capacity, you know, to the max and losing our cool sometimes. And there is a lot of deep shame and mixed emotions that comes with that. Which is silly when you think about it. Because if we imagine any human being living their life without experiencing anger or even rage, we're missing the full human experience. Yeah. And how our anger is there to serve us and is helpful and is wired in us for survival, which is a huge piece of our course, which I'm not going to get into because we're here to answer listeners' questions. But it just gets me excited because you and I love this topic and we could talk about it all day long. So I would love for us to talk about why we maybe never dealt with rage before and now we're in postpartum or maybe we're pregnant or postpartum and we're confronted with these feelings of irritation and it just seems like such a high risk time. But a big question was like, but why wasn't I prepared for this? Why hadn't I felt rage before this time in life? Well, I think we're not prepared because people are not openly talking about it because of that shame. So it's not like we're going to a mom group or you're meeting up with your friends or, you know, parents are getting together and talking about all ways that they lost their cool. And on social media, you're seeing a lot of people's highlights, what has gone well for them, all of their, you know, like hashtag blessed. Right. (laughs) Right. Parenting experiences. And no one is sharing that secret about parenthood. I mean, I, I use secret loosely here, but yeah. No one wants to talk about that because there is the shame that's associated and I get it and I understand that. We are kind of primed and programmed to keep that to ourselves because of the fear of, you know, what would happen if I shared this about myself? What will people think of me? What do I think of me? And so we're not talking about it, but why is this happening and why are we so vulnerable? There's a number of things. And obviously in the course, we outline all of the vulnerabilities. Mm. So there can be a number, but when we just think of it from like a very broad perspective, we think about, okay, what were my needs that were getting met before I became a parent? And how easy was it to get those needs met? I always joke that, I mean, not joke, this is real life. It's actually kind of sad to reflect back on this. (laughs) I used to work four tens at the hospital before I um, welcomed my son. And on Friday, it was a me day. Every single Friday, Hmm. every single Friday, I would do all the things that made me feel like me. I would go and If I wanted to shop or hike or have lunch by myself, read a book, clean my house without, you know, interruption, getting all my things done. And I had this entire day where I could do that and no one was around. And it was like, it was silent. I could listen to the music I wanted. I didn't really think too much about my Fridays. And then you become a parent Mm. and every day becomes your child's day. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it has to stay this way, but so much of your time feels like it's not your own. So much of your life feels like you have a little control over and everything kind of gets intertwined together and you're deprived of sleep. You know, you're not feeding yourself the same things you used to. You're not thinking about yourself or prioritizing yourself the way that you used to. But it's not that apparent because you're just kind of surviving. But you're like questioning, well, why am I losing it? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, let me think about this. Let me take a step back, you know? Everything has changed everything. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm anticipating or I'm expecting that I'd be operating the same way. So, I mean, I wonder, I mean, how is that for you? Do you feel like there was something that stood out like, okay, this changed overnight Mm -hmm. and I'm not doing these things for myself anymore? Well, for me, this experience with like rage in the postpartum period, it was kind of twofold. And I've told this story, I don't know how many times and I will continue to tell it. It was like the pivotal moment of my life where I was about, I want to say 12 weeks, 10 to 12 weeks postpartum with my third. 
I can so vividly remember the morning and I was like packing all the kids up because I was trying desperately to make it to the gym. The gym was like the one thing I was grasping onto that was still mine in this time of life where I was thrown into like there was no control over anything that I had in my routine, in my sleep, in my it just everything was temporarily, but didn't feel like it at the time, run by these little <laughs> you know, goobers in my life. And so I'm doing all this stuff and I go to leave to go to the gym and I press the remote to open the van door and the like pulley system bus and the door is like jammed open. And I'm like, you know what? If I can just get the door closed, I have enough time, I can make it to the gym. Like it's okay, I can do it. I am like running late, wrestling with the door, get it stuck. There's a wire from the pulley system hanging out the bottom of the door. And I'm like, it's okay. I can deal with it later. Like I just need some me time in this, in this day today. And I'm rushing to get to the gym and I get pulled over by a police officer for speeding. When I say I saw red, like I don't even know how many shades of red it is possible to see, but I wanted to rip his head off. And then I'm like, you know, keeping it together. And we're, he's like, oh, you were speeding. Did you know you were speeding? Uh, no, I mean, like, do not see the chaos in the backseat. The kids are screaming, all of that. And then he gives me a ticket for speeding, which I expected, whatever. And then he starts talking to me about how I'm misrepresenting my license because I am not wearing glasses, but on my license, it says I should have glasses on. I had gotten LASIK and... He ticketed me for misrepresenting my ID. I have never experienced so much rage in my entire life. I was like, I don't, I like Hulk mode. Like, I don't even know. And this moment, everything came crashing down for me for two reasons. One, I realized I wasn't coping and that the irritation and rage I was experiencing was completely uncharacteristic and not like me. And two, I realized, and I think maybe more in retrospect reflecting on this time, that I so badly wanted to be this type of mother and like appear like, oh, I just adjusted to three and took it in stride and was doing everything perfectly, like the recovering perfectionist that I am. And I just couldn't, like I couldn't in that moment. And so this experience of rage for me in this moment is defined by or really influenced by my perfectionism. And the postpartum depression I was experiencing at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So those are two big factors. One more of a personality trait, one more, you know, mental health related. And then also the natural needs of lack of sleep. And I'm very newly postpartum with, you know, three kids at home, not much time for self, as you had said. So there was a lot of vulnerability factors, I feel like, in that moment that came to this this head for me. I feel the anxiety. Like I felt it surging through my body as you described that whole scenario. And I like, my heart felt like it was starting to race because of like the, I just need this to work. Like I need to get to where I'm going. Yeah. And you speak to such an important piece here because I can relate to it, but it's also something that they've re like researchers have looked into. And it's this personality trait of needing the sense of control or perfectionism. Like I'm so used to the rhyme and the rhythm of my life. Yeah. And this obviously parenthood does not go hand in hand with, you know, 
rhythm and order and right. structure. And I mean, clearly you can try to replicate that as best as you can, but that is so challenging. And sleep being such a disruptor for me, obviously something that like, people will try to prepare you for you sleep while you can or sleep, you know, all of the cliche things that people will tell you yeah. when you're pregnant. But that sleep deprivation, like the reality of it is that you just don't know how to function on no sleep until you're there and you're like, what day is it? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And now I have to wake up and operate like a normal human being and do all these things. How am I going to do this? So I think you pointed out so many important vulnerability factors that a lot of the listeners will likely be experiencing and can relate to and you know, nodding their head yes, because I relate to so many of those Well, and when you're talking about routine and triggers for anger and rage, I think this is such a big one that you and I have talked about and we've experienced with clients. And even when I think about the times in the day that I'm more or most prone to rage is when uh, there are transitions and times when we're on schedules and things need to happen and they're not happening how we need them to go. Rage in anger is, and we we unpack all of what this means in the course, like how it's a secondary emotion often, there's a primary emotion, and there's a lot of to get into there, which I'm not going to, you know, sidestep into right now. But it's so important for us to, like, it's often correlated with powerlessness, right? So anytime we feel a loss of control, or we start to feel powerless or trapped in a situation, Often we feel pinned against the wall and anger can be the result of that. So it's sort of like a thought exercise or an invitation for you to think about what times in your day and in the rhythms of your day do you find that you're more prone to get angry, right? That's so important. And it makes me think of like all of the different scenarios that parents are experiencing where there's two conflicting needs. For example, if I'm, you know, working on these projects and these deadlines Yet my child has needs. My family has needs. And it's like, well, I can't be both of these at the same time. Right. I feel like I'm letting somebody down. I feel like I'm failing. And that's a hard place to be in because like, how do I keep my cool in the midst of all that? How do I regulate myself? And I know we get into this in the course and we talk about this, but it's such a universal experience and it doesn't matter what the responsibilities are. I know that parents can relate to that feeling of I'm being pulled in so many directions And I just don't know what to give my attention to because I feel like I'm failing in so many ways. I'm not as productive. I'm not as efficient. And that's one of the things, even for myself as a parent, that I've had to adjust to is that my efficiency has changed. Mm -hmm. I know that I am not going to complete things the same way that I used to. It's not going to be the same time frame. It's just not going to work the way it used to work because I don't have the same capacity. And that's okay. It's just been a big adjustment. Right. To accept that. Where before you set a goal for yourself as an individual and you could control your sleep, you could control your routine, you had so much control over your autonomous self. And now we do these same things in parenthood, in motherhood. And our routine, our day, our sleep, when we get to eat a lot of the time, you know, is not within our own control. It's tethered to these little dependent beings that we have now. And so this plays into expectations of ourselves, and then the reality of ourself in the role, right? So like I expected as an A-type perfectionist, you know, overachiever to enter into motherhood and take it in stride. 
Mm. Not realizing my capacity in motherhood now is directly tethered to other human beings. It's not just me. And I, I can't just control the various pieces and sleep and eating schedule and all of these things. And that gap of that expectation versus reality was something that I had to learn how to reconcile. And the unfortunate truth is that when that gap is present, when we aren't taking it in stride, what often happens is we blame ourselves because everybody else appears to be taking it in stride. And so now I'm failing and I'm not good enough because I can't keep up in this role that everybody is keeping up with. Mm-hmm. For sure. My biggest unrealistic expectation. Clearly, sleep was one of them. But I something that I don't feel like I accounted for, and we get derailed as parents with goals, objectives, whatever, is that our kids get sick. Yeah. Or something happens that you know, we'll mess with the entire routine or schedule and we're just not prepared for it. And these disruptions feel so big. They feel like they're really hard to bounce back from because everything is always changing. So if you are a recovering perfectionist or you just really enjoy structure and predictability, then you know exactly what it is that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another really important question that came in is when we're talking rage, what is quote unquote normal or what is an average amount of rage that we can experience in parenthood? And when is it more than that? And when should we become concerned, maybe see somebody about the amount of rage we're experiencing? This is clearly not a like one size fits all answer, but I would say that if you're feeling uncomfortable with the way that you're feeling and you don't like the way this is presenting or there's uncomfortability or this is impacting your life in a negative way, there is not like a threshold for rage that you have to reach in order to mm-hmm. seek help. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, now it's become violent. I always tell people once we notice or recognize a problem, we can go and seek help. We can get the services that we desire, no matter how small or mild this seems. We don't want things to reach this catastrophic level before we're like, now I'm I'm in crisis. Mm. Now I really need help. So where am I going to go? So if you're noticing, you know, this just doesn't feel like me. I don't like the way I feel. This is just does not feel characteristic of me. It feels uncomfortable. It's disrupting my life. I don't think it's good for my relationships. Find the help. There's no such thing as, you know, seeking therapy too early. Mm-hmm. We welcome everyone, you know, to chat about what's going on. Yeah. And I think that help can come in many forms where if you feel like this is becoming a problem and you want to nip it in the bud, you know, then we have like our course where it is self-directed. It's full of anger management tools, practical tools for in the moment, out of the moment, really helps you reframe your mentality around anger. And then maybe you are more in those crisis moments. When I think of anger and rage on a continuum or on a scale, if we're, like you said, on the more extreme ends, acting out in violence, throwing things, hitting, pulling of hair, you know, feeling the need to really like punch things or destroying like property in the home, like obviously those become crisis immediate moments that we need to intervene with because they start to play into safety, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I love what you had said, like it doesn't have to be a crisis in order to feel like something that is a problem for you. And 
I think that's often when we talk therapy and if we are to like reflect, you know, a little bit on when clients come in to see us, I feel like it is a trend that because mental health challenges or because these negative feelings or big feelings are so stigmatized, we often push it off, push it off, push it off, right? Until it is a crisis before we seek some kind of intervention that if we had sought a little more proactively, we wouldn't have had to get to that place, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. I think that, like you said, help can come in many forms. And I think the course is a great tool for people because we're sharing tools for in the moment when you're in that, you know, the big feelings, but also we prep you to be more proactive with the skills to like bubble wrap yourself as we, as we have said in the past to prepare you ahead of time. But also I think one of the biggest things that we do cover that's so important is understanding the why. Mm. And when we understand why something is happening or where it's coming from, we have better awareness into ourselves and we can use the skills more readily. And when we talk about this, like we talked about this uh, thoroughly in the course is we want to learn skills when we are not in crisis, right? We want to master the skills when we are in a, like a neutral state so that when we do find ourselves escalating and getting overwhelmed, we know how to access those skills readily because we have been practicing. We are aware. We know the trigger. We can feel it in our body because we've been studying these things and paying attention to them. So Mm -hmm. we can clearly walk people through this experience through the course. Yeah. I'm biased, but it's an (laughs) an incredible resource. Well, I love the medium that we get to offer because you get us as like coaches through these videos and we get to take our knowledge and the things that we do with clients and in therapy outside of the therapy room. So you get our knowledge and expertise in this area and the years that we've put into understanding this topic without the price tag of therapy. Though, if you do feel like you need therapy, figure out a way to get it because, you know, it will change your life for the better. But for someone who's maybe trying to wet their feet in this topic, it's a really great place to start. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. 
the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. So I'm just going to like rhyme off a couple of questions that came in. They're all along the same vein, but I just want to kind of give us some different ways that they were worded. Okay. So, ugh, the post rage hangover. Can you speak to this, please? How to repair after having a rage outburst. How to feel okay after it's happened. The guilt afterwards is very emotional. How to deal with the shame on the other side of this. Am I causing irreparable damage to my toddlers or children by losing my cool or raising my voice? And the list of questions that came in like this are just, you know, continues to go, takes up the majority of the question box because like we had mentioned off the top, like the shame that we experience after a situation like this is so real. Mm-hmm. And this is a common question that comes up for me as well. Like uh, when we talk about this, when we post about it, we want to know, and I think this speaks to our real desire to maintain a strong relationship with our children. When we fear after we've lost our cool, when we fear that relationship and if we've done, you know, any long-term damage, if we want to really repair, this shows that I care so deeply about this relationship that I don't want anything to come in between me and my child or me and my partner, whatever relationship we're speaking to. Mm-hmm. So repair is possible. And the better we get at repairing and repairing quickly, the better we're, we are at stitching this wound. Mm-hmm. And we, again, will talk really in depth in the course about what repair is, how we do it effectively, the words that we can use in really conveying this. But more than how do I repair, 
I think are those proactive skills we were talking about of how do I practice not needing to repair, you know, like, yeah, like getting to the root of what is going on here for me? What is missing here? What is really triggering this, you know, consistent or constant outburst or whatever it looks like for you? Um, When we get to that, we don't necessarily need all of the repair tools, although we will always share them because we know it'll inevitably happen because we are human. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's important to know that. Yeah, I see this journey through learning to manage our rage effectively as being sort of twofold, right? Like we've got the work we have to do on ourselves to manage our triggers, learn how to regulate our nervous system to manage our reactivity. And then there's the skills that we have to learn to repair with our child when inevitably we do lose our cool because we are human and you and I are therapists, psychologists in this area, and we will still have days where those vulnerability factors are all at play and we are irritable or on edge and use a snippy voice or raise our voice. We're human. It will happen. And we have the tools and necessary tools to repair in those moments. The challenge with just learning only the repair skills is that we don't decrease the frequency at which we are losing our cool. And so an essential part of repair is committing to do it differently, right? Like committing to show an effort to learn the skills or to like not step right back into that behavior the next time something happens. And without learning how to control or regulate our anger, it becomes the same cycle and pattern over and over again. Mm -hmm. So in terms of resources that we have that I'm thinking of, like we offer, our course teaches all of the learn how to control your anger, like get in tune with yourself, learn to trust your body, understand what it's communicating with you, all of that. But then we also have our free master class that really touches on the importance of attachment and repair and what attachment is and isn't and what types of things actually impact attachment versus what things don't and what makes an effective apology to your child because that is such an important place to start making amends, repairing our relationships and feeling like we're restoring that connection. Mm-hmm. One thing that you said that's really important and it is part of the effective apology is making that amends and making that commitment to change. Yeah. And when we think about like our children, I think it's not much different than when we think about another adult that we're engaging with. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean for someone to apologize to me? And what does that sound like? And what does that look like? So there are several steps that we outline in our resources and the masterclass being one of them of what makes an effective apology. And I won't go through all of the steps right now, but if you are going to take away anything, it's this, that what makes the effective apology mean something is, is when we take accountability for our part and when we own it without, you know, trying to project, when we own it without trying to pass off blame on something or somebody else. And we say like, this was my fault. I did this wrong but also that commitment to change. I am going to really work hard to not do this again or do this differently. So we really want to take ownership for ourselves when we are engaging with those that we love. And that's just a small piece of the puzzle. But if you take away anything from making an effective apology, knowing that when we take ownership, it means something to those that we love. You're recognizing like what I did caused harm and it hurt you. And I acknowledge that. 
And I know full and well that this was my fault. Mm -hmm. And that, like, that's how we move on. Mm -hmm. I'm like sitting over here smirking to myself because I am ridiculous. I'm in season nine of Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> I just finished this conversation with Jax, one of the characters in this reality show. Guys, forgive me. I love all things reality <laughs> TV. And he has like made the same apology every single year, every single season to people. And people are like, I've heard I'm a work in progress before. I've heard this apology before. And without any commitment to change his actions, the repair that he tries to make, it, it like falls on, on, you know, like ears that don't want to hear anymore. And so I think that it's so important that repair is the most amazing tool when we have lost our cool. And it brings us back into, it gives us the ability to step back into a situation to make sense of it for our child, to take the blame off of them because children are egocentric and want to like take that on themselves and to really heal and stitch it up. And those are beautiful skills to have. And we teach them in our free master class because I think that we carry that guilt with us. Like, oh, I've just, this has severed the attachment. No one interaction, moment, thing, makes or breaks an attachment ever. I want you to really think about that and take that in today. Like no one thing is responsible for making or breaking our attachment. But without the learning and us walking away and really doing that work, then that repair over time loses its value, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It really does. It's like we make a commitment to somebody, but we never follow through. Yeah. People will stop. It's the boy who cried wolf, right? People stop believing you. They stop trusting in you. They stop really wanting to have that connection or relationship with you because they don't feel like they can trust the words that you're saying. So our words, we tell our son this all the time, our words matter. Yeah. And we don't want to say something without thinking about it and without really valuing what it is that we're saying. So yeah, our repair means something and we have to have the action behind it to give it that power. Yeah. And learning an effective repair and bringing it up. That's also another question. Like, do I bring this up with my child? Are they going to understand? Like, what kind of apology do we do with our toddler or like our preschooler? And these are things that we do speak directly to in the masterclass because I know that I didn't come from a generation that was parented to apologize. Like, you know, like my parents never, like, that's not something that they did. So as a parent myself, entering into a situation with a tiny human to make amends and say sorry for many people can feel kind of like against the grain, right? So yeah, yeah, for sure. Important skills to learn. And we do that in our free masterclass. And then there's this other step of our own, our own journey as well. All right. So back to the list of questions that I've got here. This is an interesting one. I'm curious your thoughts on this and what you've recommended to clients in the past as well, is how to safely and most like appropriately honor and express the rage we feel. So how can we express the rage? Because we clearly don't want to suppress this experience, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is dependent on what works for you because what will work for one person will not work for everyone. 
the expression of our anger and anger is really tied to our stress response cycle. This is activating the stress response cycle in our body. And one of the most effective ways that we resolve this stress response cycle is by moving our body. Mm -hmm. And we don't always have access to this. Like, I mean, clearly you could be in the middle of doing something that just does not allow you to, you know, start exercising or moving your body or going for a walk or whatever that might look like. So moving our body is a good way to express these feelings and really move through this experience. But talking about it with someone that feels safe, writing it down, and really having this cathartic experience where you can write about, you know, what is going on for me. But really, it's the resolution of the stress in our body. It's not that we have to get to a place of rage. We don't have to like scream it out for it to be resolved. It's I'm experiencing a significant amount of stress in my body right now. How do I resolve this stress cycle Mm -hmm. without it having a negative impact on myself and those around me? And that looks different for different people. That could mean I'm expressing myself through, you know, talking it over, writing, moving my body, music, whatever coping skill works for you. And we go over a ton of Mm -hmm. skills in this course. We will go over plenty. You will have a toolbox filled with with these skills, but Mm -hmm. yeah, this looks different for each person. Well, this question makes me think about these sort of narratives fueled by the media or like stereotypical things that we've seen about anger management and how you deal with angry moments, right? Like you scream into a pillow, (laughs) break dishes, you know, punch a pillow and like while those are better choices than screaming at and hitting the human beings in our life or, you know, breaking, like being destructive, it's still associating anger with yelling. It's still associating anger with physically like lashing out at something. It's really not learning how to gain control of our reaction in angry moments, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, yes. If you can be outside and scream, and I think there's something that's freeing about just allowing yourself to like scream and be loud, and, and that's fine. But there is a lot more to regulating your nervous system and your body than that. And there are some really key things when we talk about our vagus nerve and how understanding how our nervous system works essentially in order to learn how to regulate it. And this is why I think we went the format of a course versus we had our rage workshop. For those who are new to us who may not know that, we had our rage workshop and thousands and thousands of people took this workshop and we realized that this was a real need that parents and moms need to understand and you know feel a lot of shame about and things. And our workshop had a really positive response, but from our perspective, we couldn't get into the real depth of teaching that we felt like we needed to in order to provide all the skills that we wanted to. You know, a workshop is limited to a 60, 90 minute session with people. And so our course really allowed us to get into teaching you about your biology, understanding your nervous response and the things that are actually effective in helping to regulate it, right? Mm -hmm. But in really time effective small chunks so that they weren't overwhelming like not everybody can sit in on that hour and a half workshop or even a 2 hour workshop so really breaking down these topics into you know little increments of information that you need and you can take away and you can digest yeah. and come back to later which we think is going to be incredible 
because you can go right to exactly that thing that you need, whether it's, you know, how do I regulate my nervous system? I'm really overwhelmed. Okay, well, let me get into that here in this course and watch that segment and complete the activity that's accompanying that. And I think we recognized what the need was and we really tried to do it all in this course, cover it all. Yeah. Yeah. And in lessons, like you said, like I think the longest lesson is like five or seven minutes long, like digestible lesson length for busy moms. Like we know we're momming it with you, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Back to our list of questions. Let's see. We'll do one or two more and then we will wrap up our chat today. This is a question that comes up a lot when we're talking about Anything postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, rage and motherhood, postpartum rage is this question of, does it ever go away? Is it going to go away on its own? You know, I hear this often associated with postpartum depression. Like, you know, if I can just like kind of wait it out, is it going to improve and get better on its own? Mm -hmm. When we apply that same question, does it ever go away to rage? What are your thoughts? Can it go away? Yeah. Does it happen a lot for people just to like have it resolve on its own? Not really. Not really. Because when we think about there's an underlying issue that's there, whether it is a, can be a number of things, and I will not even pretend to know what it is for you or for anybody listening. It could be a number of things, but really getting to the root of what is going on, but developing those skills. We don't always have the awareness until something has passed. We don't always have all of the tools that we need. Sometimes the tools that we develop are not those that are the most helpful or effective. So it's kind of like we're using like the wrong tool to try to fix a problem. Sometimes it's like when we don't have the skills or the knowledge, it's like we're going into trying to change a screw with a a flathead and we need, you know, a Phillips screwdriver. So please, if I, if I got that right, (laughs) I, I I need something, I need a star of fries. But it's like going in with the wrong set of tools. And can you eventually get there? Yes, it just might take longer. There might be more pain associated with it. It might not work out the way that we desire. So this is really like understanding it at its core, but having the right set of tools to resolve the problem Mm. and work through it. But knowing that you're not going to ever eliminate in like a human experience, like anger. I think when people come to me, in therapy, it's like, I am angry. I have rage. I am yelling. I do not want to feel this anymore. Like, help me make this go away. And it's never going to happen. And I don't want it to happen for you. Mm -hmm. Anger is such a powerful signal that's telling us something is going on. Mm -hmm. I'm being wronged. I'm being disrespected, or I'm not getting my needs met. Hello, pay attention to me. We want to continue feeling our feelings and having our feelings. We want to channel those feelings though, so they're not so disruptive, so that we're not responding to them in a big reactive way that is negatively impacting ourselves and our family. So it's not about making this experience go away, but it's about understanding it Mm -hmm. and developing the skill set to manage it in a, a healthier, more effective way. And you brought up such a key distinction, this adaptive versus non-adaptive coping skills. Right. Before I knew anything about the coping skills that we were taught in school and my therapy program was seven years long, learning all these skills in school. I feel like I've been in therapy since I started school, learning all of these things that I didn't know. Before that, 
I would pull on ways I knew how to survive in the moment. And while that's really resourceful of me to try and figure out, there were times when the coping skills I picked up may have served me for a moment in order to protect me or help me survive that situation, but they actually created their own subset of problems in the long term, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a few different ones we can think about for this. I know that on the podcast before I've talked about air quote, like mommy wine culture, we might turn to substances in order to numb our very explosive feelings. For me, when I was experiencing postpartum rage, I know one of the things that I turned to was like shutting down and just scrolling my phone. Like I numbed myself so that I wouldn't lose it. I just checked out, right? And so while that was the best alternative I knew how to do in the time rather than lash out, it actually wasn't adaptive or helpful for me in the long run. And so I appreciate what you're saying here is like, yes, sometimes things can improve. And as we get more sleep and as maybe we regain some time for self back, like we can make improvements, but without learning whether it's via therapy or our course or or some other way, what the adaptive and sustainable coping skills are, then we stay stuck in these patterns, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when a new trigger presents itself down the road? Right. I think that is the part that's really important. It's we want to learn these skills for our life, like for the lifetime. Mm. We want to learn these skills so we know how to better manage this stuff throughout our life. And really undo the pattern of maladaptive coping skills that we're maybe passed on to us that we learned through just surviving because we all have our own set of skills that we use right and like we know they don't always work or they work temporarily but we we start to notice the effects of those down the road yeah i think it is really helpful to work in this setting like we're talking about of really offering skills that we know and have researched and have done all the We have done all the digging. We have done all the researching. We have done all the studying of what really works. And I love that we can offer it in this forum. Yeah. And we're going to do a recap of what the resources are that we have. But before moving into that, I just want to tell you that if you find yourself in a time right now where you are coping in a way that maybe isn't the most helpful or, you know, feels like it is causing its own problems, um, There is no shame in, and when I talk about and think about the times when I've coped in a way to survive that hasn't been the most adaptive or productive long-term, like you're trying to survive, you're trying to be resourceful, and in no way is that a shame-filled thing, right? And when we are in a place that we are maybe outside of survival, or we can start to come out of the fog, or we can start to see that coping skill for what it is a little bit more clearly, then we learn to do it differently. And so I want you to be gentle and kind with yourself and to look at yourself with curious eyes rather than judgmental eyes, because I've been in the position that you're in. So has Dr. Reem. So has Asherina, Mm -hmm. you know, We've had these human experiences and it's not about beating ourselves up. Shaming ourselves and beating ourselves up is not ever going to propel us forward or be helpful. It's about becoming curious and exploring, why is my check engine light on? 
why does this alarm of anger keep going off? And what do I need to break this cycle? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's really good to become more self-aware. And I think that it's a, it's like something to be proud of. Yeah. As we become wiser is what I like to think. <laughs> Being more aware of myself, what makes me, you know, really feel, what makes me move, what makes me... Um, reactive and being aware of those things so that we can be more proactive in our life and our experience. So, but yeah, we're not going to always get it right. And we go over this so much in the course. Yeah. If we are giving you these tools. We're going to share this with you. We're not going to always get it right as therapists. Mm -hmm. So we definitely don't expect you to always get it right. We're still using these repair tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we are definitely so are. Exactly. Yeah, so just a quick recap before we sign off. We have several different resources for you. Some paid, two of them are free. We just want to provide you with the knowledge that we have so that you can start to do this work yourself. The first one we have is a rage toolkit, and it goes over three ways and tools to start managing your rage today. Really concrete tools, worksheets in there for the visual learner who likes to write things out. And we're going to link all of these things in the show notes, but that's at happyasamother.co slash manage rage if you want to note that. And then our sort of next interactive one from there, our next free resource is our free masterclass. And this is like 30 to 45 minutes of us teaching about attachment and repair in a really concrete way. And we focus this on repairing with our children because I think that we often feel the most shame when we have these reactive moments with our kiddos. And in that course, we go through how to measure a secure bond with your child, understanding the power of repair and practical ways to repair with your child. It's our three-step approach to repairing with your kiddos. Free and really, really helpful concrete tools. And then for an even deeper part, for those who are now looking to take their journey with doing this work to the next step, our new course is called All the Rage, Raising Kids with Less Anger and More Connection. In this course, we cover everything you need to know about how to keep calm as a parent in the most difficult situations. And when I say everything, we mean everything. Understanding what makes you more prone to anger, understanding how anger shows up in your body, how your thoughts influence your anger, ways to stop the outbursts before they happen, as well as what to do in the most triggering moments. And like we've talked about in this episode, since we know that we're human and we are going to make mistakes again and we're going to need the skills for repair, we go in depth on how to repair with your child, your partner, and your friends. As Asharina had mentioned earlier, because we are moms ourselves, we formatted this course in a way that is bite-sized pieces and really digestible. So there's five modules that have between four to six lessons in each, but they're in bite-sized chunks of five to six minutes. So even if you just committed to one a day to take in, there's a workbook that pairs with it that has some exercises and reflections. And we just put our brains together to think about if we needed this course and we're going to sign up for it as busy moms, what would we need it to be formatted like and how would it best serve us? And we've done our very best to present it to you guys in that way. Another big question we get is, I'm not in the postpartum period anymore, or my kids are school age, or I have teenagers. Asherina, what do we say about the course in terms of age? This is for parents with kids of all ages. 
it really is a universal tool that can be applied if you are newly postpartum or your kids are school-aged. That doesn't really matter because the experience of anger and rage is so universal. We are really speaking to why this is showing up for you and how to best manage those skills. So the age of your child really doesn't matter. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree. These skills are transferable. And what I would have used in the early postpartum, I'm still using with my six and seven-year-old. I'm still using with my partner. I'm still using in all the scenarios that, you know, I find myself angry with the police officers that might pull me over in the future. I will channel my skills then as well. So there's so much more information about our modules and lessons and what's included on our website. So I actually linked to it, happyasamother.co slash rage. And you'll see all of the information there. We have a trailer video, answer all your questions in our FAQ. It's all there for you. So for someone who's wetting their feet and trying to get to know us a little bit, you might want to sign up for the free masterclass. So much value there. Or if you've heard us and you're familiar with us before, dive on in, take the course. It is the tool we wish we had, I think. Hey, Asherina. Yes, absolutely. I think this is so needed for parents and we have really created this with you in mind and I think you're going to love it. Yeah. And all of those things are linked in the show notes. So head on over there and take what you need. Thank you, Bestie, for joining us today on the podcast. And I'm sure this will not be the last time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Debatable, you know, yeah. But I'm sure we'll have you back at some point. But thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Yes, thank you for having me. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.